Welcome to the Technology Lab, presented by CPA Practice Advisor, with your hosts, Randy Johnston and Brian Tankersley. Welcome to Technology Lab. I'm Randy Johnston with co-host Brian Tankersley, and we are so pleased to have our guest with us today, Jeff Gramlich, who is the Managing Director of Accounting at Validus. Now, I've known Jeff a long time, 20 plus years, and my rule of thumb with Jeff is when he tells me something's going on, I believe him because I think I've always known him to be right on his observations. But this is also a little interesting uh, presentation for us today, simply because this will be a little more audit-centric. So co-host Brian has always introduced himself as a recovering auditor. He's been both an internal and external auditor through the years. And as we've watched the evolution of audit tools, this period is an exceptionally volatile period as we would see it, because so many of your platforms for prep, comp, and review, as well as audit are changing. So uh, I know that uh, Jeff just came back from the uh, IAF conference. We'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, Jeff, welcome, and we are so pleased to have you with us today. Thanks, Randy. I'm right. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So to, you know, let's lead off with What's changing in the area of audit? I, I know I've got my opinions, but I'd rather hear from a, a, a leading professional in the area. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Randy. And, and, and a, the, a lot's changing. You know, I think we've seen more in audit technology in the last 10 years than maybe the previous uh, 20 or 30. And, and part of that is the availability of, of, of cloud solutions and technologies that, that take specific components of the audit and, and automate those manual tasks. And and then and then part of it is is around uh, AI and what we've seen in the last eight nine ten months uh, in generative AI is is made it for a very exciting time. So we've seen a lot in the technology world coming, but we're seeing that uh, really to this to this uh, construct and, and and a different way of doing an audit. Uh, we've got partnerships uh, across uh, both sides of the pond and. And what we're seeing more, and what I spoke about in, in Europe was was this data-driven audit concept. And, and so that's the biggest thing that's changing now. And uh, we see that across all firm sizes from the, from the big four down to, to the smaller technologically innovative audits. Uh, and, and all of that's been brought on by this new wave of technology to really look at data differently and, and and to look at how we do audit and the audit steps and the procedures and the assumptions. Yeah, that's that's very interesting, and I and I appreciate you joining us here today. You know, you've been you've been one of the top executives uh, for the software folks leading the profession for decades, and I, you know, I, I I appreciate your insights because you've been you've been at the edge, you've been cutting edge of this for a while. So why is this changing now? And and you know, it seems like when I look at the when I look at the audit standards that have come out, and I look at the um, I look at the the guidance that's put out there with uh, you know the PPCs, the Walters Kluwers, the the others out there that put out audit guidance. I don't see this in this um, you know I don't see this drive to eliminate sampling and go to 100% testing uh, being as as important as we hear in the trade press. And so it seems like there's kind of a disconnect there. Um, Talk to that yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah, so let's break that down. So, so you know, if you just do a 30-second history lesson here for a minute, we we fundamentally have done 
audits the same way for almost 100 years in the, in the States and over 100 years in, in Europe. And, and, and that is gather the client's data, you know, um, go down our assumptions and our checklist, go down our procedures and methodically and accurately, you know, pull out a sample and, 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 and test this against the sample and then see if we get enough results back to where we're satisfied with that sample or do we, do we uh, apply alternative procedures until we get an answer. And, and the profession has done a wonderful job over the years of, of uh, you know, being highly accurate and, and reliable with, with our audit approach. But that doesn't mean it's been a, a perfect world. And, and now with, with the construct of, of data and availability of data, do we have the ability to pull in data and, and look at it first and then use the data and some analysis around the data at the top level to really then go look at the one, the outlying events and transactions that occurred during the year and really audit instead of sampling, but statistically. So if I could tell you, Brian, you can you can audit the same way and pull in a hundred samples out of a pool of a hundred thousand, or I can go look at the data and tell you which are the specific uh, 30 you need to look at. Um, you might be more interested in looking at just those 30 instead of looking at 100 and waiting for the responses to get back and, and eliminate a lot of that and then apply apply the proper procedures around the 30 that you know are statistically outlined. And we've never been able to do that before. We couldn't get data out of old systems. We, you know, and now we, uh, you know, we extract the data and provide it in a standardized format, but we do it on premise systems and more and more on all the cloud systems in our future, certainly. Uh, in cloud-based systems, we're accessing that data at the most granular transactional level, not just trial balance or just GL summary, but GL detail, GLAR and AP is what we do. And it's the availability of that data that's that's driving this. And you said, you said we, now I'm assuming you're talking about Validus, the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talking about Validus and, and, and how we approach it. That's why the big four and the next largest firms and more advanced firms across the globe look to us for, for our data because they need it consistently. That's the output side, but they need it at that most granular level. And, and that's the uh, that's the use case that, that auditors are most interested in is when they can get that data. We don't, we don't want auditors and auditors don't want to become data people. They've been forced to manipulate data and, and chase data and extract data. Uh, over the years, uh, because if you think about it, when I did it, uh, Brian, and I know I'm older than you, but our technology was a copy machine. We got paper, we copied it, we gave it back, and we were really good on a 10 key. We went from that process to just automating it by sending you, uh, uh, an, by sending the auditor an Excel file, first DOS or Lotus 123 file, and then and then an Excel file, but we never changed the process. And and now with with our integrations, and including the one with the, with the with the CPA.com and the DAS solution, that process is changing. So, so how many ERPs do you tie into at this point with Alex? So we have the the kind of the top twenty five globally uh, largest volume ERPs that are audited, and and we keep adding to that every year. The, the, these are not uh, connectors that are easy to build at this level of granularity, and and we still can build three to five a year, and we keep getting better and better. We see. Um, we see some AI opportunities and machine learning that help us build build that, Brian. And then and then we will we will eventually have a way to connect to all of them and 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 
and do that. Now, all is a big word, so I want to be cautious about, about uh, what I mean by that. We're, we know we can get data uh, at a granular level out of almost any system that we have seen uh, heretofore. We'll deal some of them very specifically. And, 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 and what, the, what our customers tell us that are using it every day, it's, it's the consistent approach of that granular data and the output so that they know they can build their analysis and other routines one time and use many because they're going to get a consistent look. And, and Randy, they don't have to learn another GL package. They don't have to learn the latest um, package that's out there for whatever reason. That is taken completely off the table. You don't have to learn anything. Just don't worry about the data. We're going to get you the data. Worry about being the auditor and other value-added insights around the data that only you can provide because you know the client. Yeah. So, Jeff, I think to our earliest conversations about, you know, which GLs should we interface first and so forth. And frankly, the sophistication of the Validus platform over the last few years is, to me, stunning and uh, superb that you've got uh, 25 built and can do three to five a year right now. That's really nifty. You know, and and I, I want to go a little bit back in the conversation because, uh, you know, this whole risk-based audit methodology that I think I said on the committees at the AICPA about 20 years ago on that uh, topic, you know, to me, being a real simplistic guy, I always tell people I'm from Kansas, which stands for, KS stands for keep it simple. Uh, you know, to me, I see this audit getting to 100% data sets almost available on a daily basis right. where, you, where you can almost do continuous monitoring. So to me, continuous auditing has been discussed around and, and been in deck for decades in enterprises like the Fortune 500. So why do you think this has not come down market to mid-market and, you know, Main Street businesses? Yeah, great, great question. And, and so let me tell you a little bit different way to think of the market. There are there are those firms and, and that, that have a a defined digital journey across all of their lines of service. And, and with that defined digital journey, they, they know what their data needs are and how we're going to automate things over the next few years, because adoption within a firm is, is always a challenge and they never have enough time to, to take on all these new technologies. So we look at firms two ways, ones that have that those digital journeys and, and well-defined uh, methodologies around uh, what their data needs are and, and requests for data. And those, those firms we sell directly to. Then, then there is the, the other firms that need help and need guidance because we can give them the data and if they don't know what to do with it, it's not a win for anybody. So they need, uh, you know, they need guidance from the AICPA through the, through the DAS solution, through uh, WK, through Thomson Reuters. They still need that guidance on how to uh, use this data and, and how to grab the data, analyze the data, look at the data, and then change the procedures and the steps they're, they're in. So um, I, I think that's, that, that, that's the key. Wh which group do you fall in? And everybody's in one of those two buckets. The bigger firms have their own internal procedures and, and that they follow, and, and they know exactly what their, their data needs are. The continuous audit, uh, Randy, you're right. We've talked about this for 20 years, and there was a big push to move work out of busy season for these mid-sized clients and so on. And, and by and large, for the most part, it didn't work. We moved work out of, we created more work during the interim periods, but we still had the same burden during busy season and nobody and and, and additional 
regulatory requirements and, and changes that didn't really shift that. The largest firms, the Fortune 500, they, they obviously have to do continuous audit. You cannot take on a client that size or a magnitude and transaction and sophistication sets that you can't just wait till the end of the year and pick that up. That's not going to happen. You'd spend all year doing it. And, and you couldn't put enough human resource on it to analyze it. So, so they continue to get better at it. What the standardized data approach gives them is a way to do it quicker and more efficiently and look at interim periods uh, with, with a full data set. So when you think of an audit, the planning, the execution, reporting, we've built some best practices around each of those major phases around why to grab the data, you know, if I can get a look at the data 12, you know, 10 months in before and, and sit down with the CFO, instead of just rolling last year's questions in the, in the planning phase of it and where I'm going to focus, if I have the data and I'm an auditor and I can look at that data and see what's going on, my questions are much better. Okay, so, yeah, so, so you mentioned this future, this future state, you know, and you mentioned that the big four and the big firms were already doing this. How does the U.S.'s audit profession compare to Europe and the rest of the world? Are we kind of leading this effort or are we behind at this point? I, I would say um, we're, we're, we're leading the effort. We, uh, but, but I would say that, you know, we're not like light years ahead of this because the big four are global and they have global teams and platforms. It's not just the big four, it's the next largest groups beyond that too. They have global teams with people very involved from all over the globe and and and, and Europe and the European countries and and, and staff are, are very uh, creative and, and they're playing a key role in, in making sure that those requirements as they look to automate and streamline these procedures, uh, that their requirements are taken into consideration and they bring in some very creative ideas. In Europe, there are certain data sets that are also much further along than we are here in the States. I mean, they, they have standardized a lot of the banking, for example. So if you go over there and you look at bank data, it's much more standardized than it, than it is here. You know, we have, we have a significant number of different types of banks, and thus the standardization underneath that is, is, is somewhat of a challenge. Uh, so in some cases, they're, they're leading in that area. But in terms of just uh, global input, Brian, at some fundamental level, an audit is an audit. And within these big firms, audit is the line of service that travels. Tax is very local in jurisdiction and consulting is very project. So if you're a good auditor in the States, you can do it in Europe, vice versa. And if we can standardize on some of this uh, automation and looking at the data, you just got a lot better. So, so speaking of traveling, uh, you know, as the pandemic hit, a lot of us went home. And there's a lot more remote work. And, you know, the big four have had significant outsource operations uh, for, for you know, 10 or more years. Um, tell me a little bit about how, you know, and, and again, finally here, I think the, 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 the skill needs are different today than they were when you and I started. Um, so tell me a little bit about how the staffing is changing and and how you know what what a candidate looks like for 2030 uh for for an audit firm yes so you know we're we're hiring more and more different skills because the pipeline for 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 accounting graduates and and masters uh, students and and auditors you know has continued to decline over the last couple of years so the actual supply 
is is down and those taking the Canada uh, the CPA exam that, that's gone down as well a couple of interesting statistics though um, just two years ago three two years ago 2021 only 28 percent of the U.S. firms were hiring non-accounting majors to help in, in mainstream uh, audit and tax and other work non, non-accounting across the board that's up to 36 percent we're seeing more people hired that are Two, two things, and these are a little bit different, Brian, so the answer is going to be a little bit out there. Then One of them is more data scientists. That's the obvious answer. More people that understand data, and you guys get that, and so that's the obvious answer, but we're seeing more firms hire like a, um, um, a customer or client satisfaction manager, and we're seeing them hire non-data non, you know, data scientists, and then, and then client satisfaction managers. What is that? It's like a project manager, very client-focused to make sure that we're communicating with the client, that the client's needs are getting satisfied, that the client inputs are timely, and, and, and instead of last-minute kind of in a crisis mode, et cetera, and they're taking some of that communication uh, load off of the auditor or the tax professional to just interact more cleanly and consistently with the client. So, so that's just a totally different profession. But one of the other statistics I want to I want to give you guys, and this is very um, informal, I guess is the right word, or informal. Um, I get to talk to partners at, at the big four and 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 smaller firms almost every day. And, and one of the questions I started asking years ago is what's your client load relative to, and, and because you're now you're the technology partner trying to implement. And, and it's interesting, the answers I got, most of them were at 30 to 35 or more clients a year. Yeah. And not uncommon. Some were way more than that. And now they're trying to implement some kind of, or evaluate some kind of new technology within the firm. And the way the the way we ended up kind of drawing this down was firms that were actually advancing and making year over year progress. They had whittled their client load down to 15. So 15 came out to be kind of a magic number. If you're doing 15 client engagements or less, you had some time to give toward technology, innovation and implementation and evaluation, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week. So that was a good number. And then the most advanced firms their partners that were ahead of technology had actually whittled that client load down to zero. Took them four or five years to do that because you can't just unplug that quick. But they, they, the ones that were really advancing at the most, they did not have carry that load. So 15 or less to get started and continue to work that down. Very unscientific, uh, but an interesting number just the same. And what was interesting to me is that played out whether it was a a, a small firm, you know, single office firm or a global firm. It, so there's just Jeff, not enough time. Yeah. Jeff, what a beautiful informal number. I'm, I'm like, oh, oh, man, what a great number. 35. You're right. Most of the people that are, you know, uh, leading these engagements, if they're involved, they're often involved at that level. Makes right. beautiful sense. You've got to have more time to be able to, well, as the phrase goes, work on the business. But right. even zero is more insightful as I think about it. So. Right. Right. What a, what an interesting uh, take on that staffing. You are correct. I am so sad when auditors are data wranglers is our right. new team for that. You know, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, all they really want to do is audit the data. And so many have been put in an unfortunate position. So this non-traditional accounting staffing 
makes a devil a lot of sense to me. I think for the last 10 years in my CPA firm tech assessments on larger firms, 100% of the time, I've had a data scientist in my recommendations. Right. And the other one that's come along is the RPA positions have also leveraged uh, robotic yeah. process automations, have leveraged yeah. the professionals. Well, you know, speaking of leverage, you and I and Brian, I think, have all been thoughtful, along with maybe millions of other people on generative AI. Uh, you know, we've done five different sessions here on the Technology Lab on AI. So talk to us a little bit about how you see AI and maybe generative AI in specific playing into the future. Great, great question. Thank you, Randy. You know, I can I could answer that with a question, but I but I won't belabor the question. What's the one thing that makes AI better? Data, right? And 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 when you think of generative AI, I'm gonna I'm gonna just talk about Chat GPT for just a second. In uh, uh, Chat GPT, we we see uh, this as a wonderful tool because it's not the first question that's most important; it's the second and third and fourth, right? And and it's the follow up questions, and that's how Chat GPT get get gets better. And we've seen this used already. In fact, I saw a new a new uh, job title, Randy. You could think about, it, and it's called a a, 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 a um, prompt engineer. And prompt meaning, you know, for chat GPT and, and how to structure the questions. So I, I would encourage people to go out there and take a look at chat GPT. And one way to think about it is to is to take a very detailed either audit accounting question or tax question that you know the answer to, you as the as the prompter, and and, and you know it 100 percent And and so ask chat GPT the first time around, the good there's high statistics, it's going to get it wrong. But as you give it the answers. And, and and feed it what's right, it gets better. And what it can do is with its inference tools and, and, and language understandings is create letters and emails and other things that are very uh, tightly and well-worded, right? Because sometimes communicating to the client, as I said earlier, is, is very, very important back, back then. So I saw an example of that at, at, uh, at the Engage conference. I thought it was very, uh, very interesting. Uh, to see that, but we see these as tools. They are not here. You know, if we would have rolled this conversation, Randy, back five years ago, uh, blockchain was going to eliminate auditors. You know, it was going to now, now we have auditors that audit the blockchain. <laughs> so uh, it didn't really eliminate us, you know, and I think there's probably a, more than a handful of firms that are that are uh, doing quite well auditing the blockchain. So, uh, you know, th th this is yet another, you know, forward thinking way, but but we, we have to embrace it as a tool and a way to get better, not as a uh, as a blocker or something we should be worried about. How do I use this tool? But I'll go back to my comment about time. Somebody in the firm has got to take that by the lead. It's usually going to be a partner or senior manager level. And, and, and is the firm serious? Can you manage your client load down to 15 or less? That's the question. Mm-hmm. So, so Jeff, you've you've gone out here and you've helped create the ecosystem of, of software and tools and other things over the last few decades right. that our profession uses. Um, if you're sitting there looking at the map and the world as you see it, and you have a you have an audit partner that's getting ready to uh, you know that's trying to set sail and figure out how to avoid uh, sandbars and getting stuck and that kind of stuff as as they set sail into this new world of data, um, 
how, you know, what advice would you give those partners that listen to this podcast? Yeah, I'd say, you know, first and foremost, make, make an internal commit, commitment, pick somebody that really wants to do it, whether it's an up and coming uh, junior person that, that just has a, a real eye for technology and desire to learn this. And, and wants to just has a, a you know a, a great appetite to to be on the leading edge. Uh, pick someone like that, not someone who's necessarily their charge hours aren't quite where they are. That's not the right thing we want to look at. We want somebody that's interested and would take it on. Then let's look at how do we really give them the time and evaluate them based on on other criteria, not 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 old models. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna invest in the firm and invest in you to help us advance our firm by giving you time to go look at some of these and and then start internally by saying where are our where are our pain points you know wh- what are they and what are we still doing that is this highly manual prone to error um somewhat repetitive and so on and so forth and then let's focus on some of that and then let's start to look for various tools whether it's from some of the some of the larger vendors or the up and coming uh, uh, smaller vendors that, that are out there because there is a plethora uh, of tools out there. And just, just, just it, it can be mind boggling. So start with the end in mind. What are our pain points? Let's put together uh, a feel for that and evaluation of that. And then I think the other piece of that is you have to look at all of this on a multi-year basis because you're not going to get out of the annual cycle of busy season. And I've got the three months at the beginning of the year and a good two months at the end of the year where I, I have to just focus on client work. So any 12-month calendar year boils down to six or seven months of time I can actually spend looking and evaluating. Yeah, makes great sense, Jeff. Well, you know, your advice also on this focus on the technology, I'm just thinking about prompt engineering as you, uh, you know, have have laid out. Uh, I, I actually wrote my last column for the publication on prompt engineering. Oh, there you go. Okay, sorry, I'm behind. <laughs> no, no, you're not behind because that just means we're kind of thinking in parallel. Yeah. And to me, that is a big area of opportunity, not only in audit, but in tax and in casts and so forth. Uh, but we also do have to worry about some privacy issue and whatnot. So, uh, but this whole um, thinking about optimizing our processes, in some cases, we'll be able to make revolutionary changes, in others, just evolutionary changes. Right. But, but right. you're right, you know, people have the work they have to get done, you know, let's call it a half a year, you laid it out as five twelfths of the year, but you've got to have the uh, resources dedicated to make the transitions and the improvements really throughout. Well, you know, your insights today, super valuable to us. I know there are lots of other things that we should be asking you. Uh, I bet you we could go for an hour and we'd be fine on that. Uh, I do know that, uh, you know, not only from, uh, you know, prior times where you were at Walters Kluwer, but today where you're at Validus, you know, the Validus tool, I think, has done a lot of good for the profession. So can you tell us just a little bit about how Validus is, uh, you know, helping all this future data-driven audit and, and staffing f- issues and how, how's, how's Validus helping the profession there? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, there, there's a couple of things that we've tried to uh, implement. One, as I mentioned earlier, we created a, a, a best practice guide that we'll start to roll out in the next uh, month or so 
about how to think about data in, in the different phases of the of the audit, and then just how to think about more broadly. Uh, we've got several partnerships, uh, some already announced, some that will be announced about more integrations of our data in, into other platforms, uh, Randy, that for the firms that don't have the ability to build things necessarily internally or, or adopt them straight into their, their company uh, like they are, or they prefer them into a, a broader workflow tool within the audit profession. We're getting ongoing requests. So the way we, we ongoing requests for additional data sets, more connectors, and, and that's going to be ongoing for us. We're going to stay very focused on what we think we do well, which is extracting that data at the lowest level and giving it to the world in a standardized format. Uh, so the way in which we we do is, is really just try to start, as I said earlier, with their pain points and understand where their digital journey is. And is that that's something where they can take our data and know and get the most out of it directly with them. And that's a that's a back and forth because we don't want we don't want somebody to implement and then be disappointed because they didn't get um, enough out of it in, in that first year or two with us. So that that's one way. And then another way is just to advise them to, to look at this solution or that solution where our data is already integrated and maybe a more complete answer for them. So do we want to sell everybody? Of course we do. That's part of that's why we're in business. But we want to we want to form uh, partnerships because this does take an implementation strategy. It does take time and it does take uh, uh, training and buy-in from the staff to, to get to use it because, you know, it can still be considered, um, you know, not mandatory because it's not a, you know, a regulation of some sort, you know, whereas in, in previous worlds when we had tax regulations, those were rules set down by the IRS and the states and the local jurisdictions and Nobody got to vote on those rules, you know, other than voting for your congressperson or whatever. You know, we had to follow them once they were written. That's it. So uh, those are those are mandatory requirements where the software re, uh, responds, and then the, the 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 CPA firms accordingly buy and 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 they know they're in compliance. In this case, the, the, this this is just a way to improve efficiency and improve quality. And I would continue need to look at them both at the same time. Super, Jeff. Well, Brian uh, and I were so excited to have you as a guest today. Uh, of course, we both knew your expertise, and I just have a hunch Brian might have some parting burning questions. But, <laughs> Brian, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Any other things that we should ask Jeff so our listeners can uh, benefit from his expertise? You know, I think we just need to get together a couple of times a year with Jeff because I think Jeff is. Uh, I think you've got your. I think you've got your finger on the pulse of of how the profession is changing, uh, as as a leader in the in the industry, serving the profession and helping the profession get the right tools. And so maybe what we ought to do is get together in a few months again and kind of kind of review the progress and and visit again about things. And Jeff, it's always a pleasure. I'm sorry I missed you at Engage, and I hope to see you sometime later this year on the road. Yeah, I appreciate it, Brian and Randy, and and uh, look forward to uh, to getting back together and and seeing you in person. And uh, we're past COVID, so now we can all see each other again, and that's that's very meaningful. And you guys know I like to talk about this, and and I appreciate the nice uh, compliment, and and uh, always just trying to to learn every day what I can. Yep, understood, Jeff. Well, any other parting thoughts for our listeners? You know, again, you as Brian just said. 
you're in the thick of it. And, you know, we have the good pleasure between us of talking to a lot of firms. Any right. other parting insights? You know, I, I would say, you know, as we sit here in July already for 2023, the year's already halfway gone and it goes very quick and they get faster. Maybe that's because the older we get the way that's just the way it feels. But if you haven't started this year, at least make an attempt to identify that person internally that could could actually start to spend some time on it. And if you can free them up uh, for some of the back half of this year, pick one area and 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 move. The 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 only really thing that I think is 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 not in the best interest of the firm is to just status quo and always think that you gotta you gotta take that first step, and that's the hardest one. So let's take it and feel free to reach out to me and if we can help and 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 there's a you know others Randy you and 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 Brian are are good at getting them to to at least think about it and take that first step and let's just focus on what some of the challenging areas are and see how to move that forward. Well, that sounds beautiful, Jeff. Thank you for your time this morning and uh spending the the uh uh, time that we've been together with our listeners. We do appreciate all of you uh, listening in today. Join us in another technology lab for additional topics. Have a great day. Thank you for sharing your time with us. We'll be back next week with a new edition of the Technology Lab, brought to you by CPA Practice Advisor.